Hi, this is Scott Silkey. I'm the worship arts director here at New Life Church. We're excited that you are joining us today. I pray that today's message will encourage and inspire you to be the hands and feet of Jesus to the world around you. you go, oh, you went there. Yes, maybe our culture doesn't do it as well as we... It, maybe it's not as basic as it might seem on the written page. All right? So remember, the power of ten commandments is the power to take a group of liberated slaves who have never lived with the responsibility of freedom and turn them into a free people who are able to develop into a sophisticated civilization that dominates the historical record. They went from a slave people, 400 years, they never knew free, the people who came out of Egypt never knew freedom, never understood it, their grandparents, their great-grandparents, their great-great-grandparents were slaves. They grew up in this culture. And then God takes them out, and he says, now you need to make something of this freedom. But I'm not going to leave you alone with this, because that would be overwhelming. I'm going to give you a guideline, a structure, so that you can, you can effectively deal with the responsibilities of that freedom. Okay? Jesus reiterates this concept in Matthew chapter 22. He says this, he, being Jesus, said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. That's that vertical post on our, on our uh, graph here. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. That's that horizontal uh, piece of the cross of this relationship thing. All the law and the prophets depend or hang on these two commands, okay? Commands one through four, just a little recap, our relationship with God. Commandments one through four, we just finished with that. Commandments five through 10 is our relationships with people. Now to understand that, we have to say, we can't really do the horizontal stuff well unless it's hung on the vertical. Does that make sense? Unless we understand the vertical relationship that we have with God and God has with us, the horizontal stuff is going to be kind of a mess. And we see that everywhere. Okay? So the two, the two greatest commands are love God and love people. Thus far, we've dealt with the vertical relationships of commandments one through four. Now we're, uh, we're going to dissect the horizontal relationships of commandments five and six. That's what we're going to deal with today. Okay? Five and six. So let's read it. This is the love people part. This is the beginning of it. Deuteronomy 5, 16 through 17 says this. Honor your father and your mother, and every parent here said, amen. <laughs> Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long and that it might go well with you in the land that your Lord your God is giving you. And every kid in here said, that sounds good. I'd like to live long and do well, right? And in verse 17, you should not murder. Just don't do it. Okay? All right, so commandment number five, honor, honor parents. Honor, what does that mean? It, it comes off as being very simplistic. Honor your parents. I guarantee you moms have used that. 
Thus saith the Lord. Back to the King James. Thus saith the Lord, honor me. Or it will not go well with you. And you will not live long on this. You know, the old, old statement, I brought you into this world. And I'm going to take you out of here. So, yes, that's the basic understanding. But let me, let, me, let me just break it down for you a little bit. Let's dissect it a little bit. Because the Old, the old Testament and the New Testament dovetail on this concept. Think about this. Civilization starts at home. Civilization starts at home. The family is the most basic God-ordained institution. It is the fertile ground from which civilization grows. You have healthy families, you are going to have a healthy civilization, a healthy culture. The reverse is true as well. Unhealthy family units develop into an unhealthy culture. This is precisely why the family is and has always been under attack from the enemy. If the family is functional, oh, see, sorry, wrong word. It is an F word. If the family is foundational for a civilization to grow and thrive, then if you take out the foundations, the rest of the structure will not have a foot to stand on. Let me people watch... Um, HG, HGTV shows. I know you watch them too. Get out of here. He pointed at his wife. I watch them. I love them. I eat them up. And one of the, one of the biggest expenses of a house, I love this because they, they, they take a person through a house. They go, oh, this is going to be a good house. You should pick this house. And then they pick the house. And then they immediately go to, oh, you picked a bad house. We got this to do, we got this, we got to change all the electrical, all the plumbing. Your foundation is crumbling. If you don't do something now, your house is going to fall apart and you will probably die. That's how dramatic it gets. It's reality TV, right? So it's like, <laughs> well, it's not like I cannot do what you just said because I don't want to die. But one of, the, one of the greatest things is when you walk through these houses and the whole house is going like, mm, you could, they, they sometimes they'll even do it. They'll put like a, a, a ball in the corner and it will like roll. How many people live in a house like that? Yeah. Um, and what they have to do in those extreme situations is they literally have to take the house. They have to put uh, jacks underneath the house and lift the house. They have to lift the house and then they have to clean out all the, the garbage underneath and they have to build brand new, fresh, they need to restore what was broken. And then they can take the house and they can drop it down gently and everything will be level and straight and the ball will not roll at 45 miles an hour to the corner. See what I'm saying? That analogy works here, folks. We have to repair the foundations if our civilization is going to be good and strong and healthy. Sometimes we need to jack it up, get underneath, weed out the garbage that we were sitting on, and we need to replace uh, it with the pillars 
that have been written about thousands of years ago in this word. And then we can settle down our culture on top of it, and it will be healed. But until we do the hard work of jacking it up and saying, you know what, maybe we do have, maybe the church does, maybe our culture has some serious foundation issues, unless we realize that, unless we get underneath, some, I would never go underneath some of these houses. Anybody who knows me for like 30 seconds knows I hate snakes. And that just seems like a place where a snake would love to be. I could see crawling under those crawls, and it's like, you know, no way. No way, new house, just destroy it. In fact, bring the house down on the snakes and then destroy it, and we'll build from the start. Because the family is so foundational to the culture, it's been under attack since the beginning. Paul references this command in his discussion on the family in his letter to the Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 says this, Children, obey your parents and Lord, for this is right. Honor. I want you to think, I want you to, Key in on that word honor. Okay, we're going to dissect that one. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. And that promise is that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So what, is, what does it take to, kids, what does it take to get the benefits of that promise? You need to honor your parents. Okay, what does that mean? Honor. In the Hebrew, in the in the, in the commandment in the Hebrew, it's a word uh, kabad. And it, it, it has this connotation, ready? To be, I, wouldn't, I wasn't expecting this, to be heavy, be weighty, to be grave, grievous, hard, be rich, be honorable, be burdensome, be honored. It could mean all those things. It, could, it has all these connotations. So I'm breaking it down this way. There's a weight to this command. It's heavy. It's not something light like, you know, don't talk back. That would be good. We would, many parents would be like, yeah, I like that one too. But that's not the command. The command has much more weight than that. It's, 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 it's a burden. Kids, young people, even adults, listen, honoring your parents is a burden. But if you carry that burden, it will go well with you. And you will live long. Why will you live long? So you can take care of them. The, 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 the commandment is there for the longevity and the happiness of the family. This is a weighty command. It is the weight of responsibility that doesn't end at adulthood. So there's been a lot of talk lately about how this generation of, of last generation of kids has this failure to launch concept that childhood is is moving into like the 30s now. That's not me, that's people talking. Talking heads say this. Um, why is that? And many of the, the commentators and the people think, because we haven't given them any responsibility. This concept is you need to get moving. You gotta do something. Make something. Honor. Take care of your family. Maybe this is coming from an agricultural, patriotic, uh, patriarchal society where the son would grow up and work with his family to grow the family, 
to, to grow the wealth of the family, and then that would be handed down to him, and his children would be. So this is this concept. It's a cooperative system that makes everybody better. Okay, now we've taken that, we've changed that, whatever. The principle remains. We need to be careful that we, when we come out of the house and we're now on our own, if that even happens, come on our own, that we don't just like, see you later, mom and dad. No, we have a responsibility to honor our parents for as long as they are on this earth. Love you, mom. Uh, just don't cause any problems because... Right, then I'm going to give you to Ryan. No, <laughs> no, I mean, think about it for a second. Our job. Now, I know that's tricky. We're going, to, we're going to talk about the trickiness about this. But it is a weighty thing. And weighty things are not always easy things. You typically, things that are most valuable and important are not easy. Now, in the Greek, there's a slightly different variation on it of this word. Tmeo is to revere, when, when it's used in Ephesians, it's, it's used the word tomeo, which means to revere or to venerate, to look highly on them, to, to, um, to this is the concept of it, to carry their name well. Does that make sense? To carry their name well. The promise that goes with the command is that you will live long to take care of your parents into their later parts of their life, and to enjoy your children and grandchildren into the later parts of your life. It's a cycle. It's, it's the elder care of the Bible. Did you realize that churches and religions were in charge of that for like almost all of history, and now we've handed that over to the state? What does the Bible talk about... In the, Take care of widows and orphans. It's like all the time. It talks about that all the time. And that's what churches were doing. All, most, orphanages, um, most orphanages were sponsored by, by churches and religions. Now we've handed that over to the state. I'm not, I'm not trying to make a commentary and pick on that. I'm just saying the principles remain. We've got to be people that revere the family. It's important. That's why it's so vital to work to the development of good familial relationships. The family is so massively important. Stories and lessons and wisdom and civilization passed on from one generation to the next. Kids, find someone who is older than you and learn everything you possibly can from them. One of the things I love about <clears throat> our family structure, and uh, I'll pick on Kendall for a second because she's really into this, is that, and it was with our, our family as well growing up, I don't know what it was, but we loved to sit around the, the dining room table long after the food was gone, and we would just listen to the adults tell stories, laugh, laugh along with them. And, Kendall, you, you often said, I love listening to adults talk. Yeah, it's fun, right? We used to love to listen. My grandfather would tell these stories. Like, really? Come on. That didn't really happen, did it? He's like, I died five times. What? You died? 
five times? That's how they, well, well, and then you like went into it and like, yeah, he literally like almost died five times. <laughs> We'd sit and talk this, and then it would devolve into like, you know, bathroom humor around the dining room table. It was just, it was very entertaining. Um, but what I'm saying is that I got a chance to learn and listen and hear from the different generations. Kids, don't waste the time with these older people. They're not going to be around forever. Learn the stories, the wisdom, the jokes, the fun things, the civilization that they passed out. And, and, and adults, don't shoo the kids into the other room too quickly. Invest in them. Let them be around. I mean, there's perfectly okay to say, listen, you're talking too much. Just listen. That's okay. It's okay. They need another place too. But here's the thing. Don't shoo them off into the room. Make sure you invest in those, that next generation. This is key. The, understanding this concept is key to civilization. So stories and lessons, all this thing can be passed down, civilization. But here's the thing, and this is where we get in trouble with this one. The opposite is true as well. Anger, violence, abuse, addiction, carelessness, dysfunction can and does get passed on to subsequent generations of those who do not put a high value on family values, on the family. This is true. And many of you, I'm telling you, here I am talking about how wonderful my, listen, we've all got turkeys in our families. Maybe you grew up with a, not a great parental structure. That happens. I'm te- I, I get it. I understand it. I'm blessed for the fact that I didn't have that. But I know that there are some people who are like, I can't understand what he's talking about. I can't honor that person. They were abusive to me. They were awful to me. I can't honor them. So here's the, here's the thing. We've got to be careful because Ephesians 6 continues on with verse 4 and says this, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It's not just one-sided. Kids, honor your parents no matter what. No. Paul says, listen, fathers, you have a responsibility. Parents, you have a responsibility to raise up those kids well. Because just as civilization will be passed on and blessings will be passed on, so will the other stuff. The Greek translation that is translated as provoke can also be translated as exasperate. Frustrate. As a pastor, I do a lot of talking with people about things. And one of the things I hear most often is that when it comes to parent and child issues, now the, the, the child is the, is the adult. And I hear things like, I could never do anything right. No matter how hard I tried, it was never good enough for him. It was never good enough for her. That's exasperating. That's frustrating. That's driving wedges. That's not increasing civilization. So yeah, we let the, you know, kids don't do this to your parents because they'd be rude. But you, you know, if they say, honor your parents, you say, don't exasperate me. <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a both and, right? We have to, we have to see the value in the family unit. It's the most important part, piece of civilization. 
Maybe you're part of a family that passed on some kind of dysfunction and uncivilized patterns to you. You may be thinking, my parents are not worthy of honor. And here I want to say to you, that may be true. But Romans 12 says this, do not repay evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. And this is the key verse. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That doesn't mean you have to overexpose yourself to people who are toxic to you. Did you hear what I'm saying? But as it, maybe you need to, maybe you need to make some separation for somebody who's just like, toxic in your life. Maybe there needs to be a holy separation. But as, for, as, as much as is your concern, be at peace. Make peace as much as you can. If they can't receive it, that's their problem. They have to answer to God for that. The next verse, I didn't have it on the wall. The next verse is, trust that God will repay. Remember, it's not your job to repay evil for evil. It's God's job to judge. Vengeance is his. So you got to trust. Remember we said last week, the way we rest in God is knowing who God is. Knowing his names, knowing who he is, helps us to literally take Sabbath. All right, let's keep going. This command is for us all. It was a command for your parents, but it's also a command for you. We can't control other people, but we can allow the Holy Spirit to heal and empower us to do what is right so as to not pass on dysfunction to our own families. See, listen, it can start, it can stop, and it can start with you. Does that make sense? For all of you who've gone through difficult upbringings where your parents were tough, and maybe they weren't worthy of honor, maybe, I don't know, but listen, if that's you today, that dysfunction can stop, and civilization in your family can start with you. Now, this may take some counseling, this may take some pastoral care. This may take a lot of prayer because these things just don't go away overnight many times. Sometimes they take a lot of, you know, work, but it's worth it. Don't pass on the dysfunction of your past to your kids by de, de facto because you just didn't work on it. It's worth it. Pass on civilization to your kids. All right, here we go. Next one. Commandment number six. Don't kill people. Now, many of you probably um, think that these two commandments are unrelated, but uh, I think there's probably the most time you felt like you wanted to kill somebody, they were sitting across the dining room table from you, not at work. <laughs> Don't kill. Don't murder people. All right, verse 17. You shall not murder that's the command. That's the whole thing. You shall not murder. Now, on top of premeditation, the Hebrew word also covers causing harm, causing, causing human death through carelessness and neglect. Carelessness and or neglect. It's not just going out and like making a murder plan and going and murdering somebody. It's just, it has a, the word means Causing death through carelessness or neglect. 
The word is actually rasha, to murder or slay, but it, it incorporates premeditated murder and accidental. He's like, Pastor, why do you care about what these words say? Why do you care about the original language of these things? Why does it matter? Because the intention of the words matter. Let me give you a for example. In our language, we can use the word love in many contexts, right? I love my spouse. I love a cheeseburger. It's the same word. Hopefully, hopefully, there's a, a meaning difference to like, I love a cheeseburger or I love my wife, right? Hopefully, in our relationships, we... <laughs> so there's a, there's, a, there's a meaning difference between... And in, in, in many of the original languages, they would actually have words that gave the connotation of what was saying. So it means, and why is it important? Because the Bible says this, not the smallest letter or the one strike of a letter will pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. Let me read that whole passage to you. Matthew chapter 5. Jesus says this, don't think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. <clears throat> I do not come to abolish, but to fulfill them. What does that mean? It means I come to bring context to them. I come to make them everything that they were supposed to be, right? He says this, for truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or the stroke of the letter will pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever does his teachings, uh, does and teaches the commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. Whew. Number 21. You have heard that I was said to your ancestors, don't murder. He said, this goes right into it, right? You've heard that it was said to your ancestors, don't murder. Simple. Do not murder. Thou shalt not murder. And it says, whoever murders will be subject to judgment. Now, this is where it comes into a sanctity of life issue, okay? The Old Testament was very clear that if you murdered or you took somebody's life, you were responsible to repay for that precious thing that you took, that you stole, with equal importance. Meaning, you murder, you have to pay for that with your own life. That's how important life was, that it was, a life was worth a life, okay, that's, that's, that's what he's talking about, that you'd be subject to judgment, but I tell you, listen to this, everyone who has angry, angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment, that's what he's saying, everyone who's angry with their brother is subject to the judgment of murder, which is what, death, wow, this is a sanctity of life issue here, Whoever insults his brother or sister will be subject to the courts. Whoever says, you fool, will be subject to hellfire. Makes us want to maybe check our slang a little bit, doesn't it? Look at this. this listen to this one. 1 John 3 says this. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. Wow. 
I'm not fooling around with this one. I take this this way. I, I take this as a sanctity of life claim. It's not enough to just not murder. One must respect and honor others with as much respect as they would themselves. Remember, what's, what's the second great commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself. As yourself. Treating life with contempt, not okay. Not okay. Life is given by God, and he is the only one who has the right to ask for it again. And most be, and it must be protected, honored, and appreciated by fellow image bearers. That's you and me. We should never look at life as a nuisance. An inconvenience. A waste. Or an obstacle. Whenever we talk about like sanctity of life issues, sometimes the we go to this whole thing about like, um, well, the where that ends up going is this concept of Nazism, right? Where they were purging people with all these things, and oh, the Nazis. Oh, oh. I don't know if you knew this a little bit about our American culture, but we had this thing back in the early part of the 1900s, right around the same time Nazism was becoming very popular, called eugenics. Huge amount of doctors, mainstream doctors and and places of power thought eugenics was the future. What was eugenics? It was seeing people who were not productive to the culture as being a nuisance, an inconvenience, a waste, or an obstacle. And they did horrible, horrible, horrible things, Nazi-type things in our own country. It wasn't until we got back from World War II, having seen what the Nazis had done in the concentration camps, that we as a nation said, whoa, we can't, mm, we're not going to even go near, we're not going to dip our toe in that water, no way. But had that not happened, we, we could have been the ones with the concentration camps. I'm telling you, it's, listen, unless we understand God's word as life is valuable and important, no matter where it is, how young it is, how old it is, whether it's smart or has mental disabilities, life is God-given and not to be snuffed out by human beings because of what they think. Sanctity of life issues are huge. They're foundational to a civilization. Flip it around. We would never want someone to look at us that way. Think about it. How many people would love people looking at you as a nuisance? Or an inconvenience? Or a waste? That person's a waste of life. Horrible. Or an obstacle. Here's an obstacle to my my dreams. 
We would never want someone to look at us that way. Yet we can often find ourselves looking at others that way. And don't, don't get all high and mighty on me in here. You've come into contact with a human being at some point in your life said, what a waste of life. <laughs> That's like every day. No, no. <laughs> that was really that. Uh, if we're honest, we've come across people who are like, I don't get it. I don't know why God chose to do what they did with that human being. That's not your choice. That is not, your, your wisdom is not enough for that. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 says, You have heard it was said you shall, not, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, even those wastes of life. Quote, unquote. So that you may be sons of, the, of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. It's not your call. It's his call. If you could figure out how to stop the rain on them, then you, it, maybe it could be your call. But until that day, until you get the sun to stop rising on certain people like he did in Egypt, it's not your call. It's not my call. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? This is speaking to the church now. Think about this as a church unit. If we just love people who love us, what reward have you? Do not even tax collectors? Oh, tax season's coming. Do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Oh, those dirty Gentiles. You. Me, you, therefore must be what? Perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. What does that mean? That people are like, I can't. This is the standard for someone who has the, has the opportunity to make that call. You can't do it. The whole point is that's supposed to be overwhelming to you. The whole point of that statement, you must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. You're not. I'm not. So let's leave it up to him. He is. Let's leave it up to him. Okay? In other words, this. We, are to, we should resemble our father. Be perfect as our father is perfect. We should resemble our father. If he was gracious enough that while we were yet enemies of God, Christ died for us, then we should resemble who he is in how we treat other people. We, who are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, should be the strongest when it comes to Christ-likeness. Right? We should be strongest. Now, I want to close with this last part of, uh, I want to close with chapter 15 of Romans. It says this. Now, we have the Holy Spirit living in us, so I assume this is us. I'm going just to make an assumption. I'm hoping that that's true of us, that we are the strong. Now, we who are strong have an obligation to bear the weaknesses of those without strength. And not to please ourselves. We've got to be outward focused. We've got to not just be about, you know, they're not a nuisance to us because we don't just seek to serve ourselves. We want to please and serve other people, right? 
not to please ourselves. Each one of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For even Christ did, and we should be like our master, right? Even Christ did not please himself. On the contrary, as it is written, the insults of those who assaulted you have fallen on me. For for whatever was written in the past, this is the Ten Commandments, for whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction so that we may have hope through endurance and through the encouragement from the Scriptures. Those things that were written in the past, they're for us. They are blueprints so that we can build good foundations of our civilization. Without them, we're building on shifting sand and we're building a crumbling structure. So children, honor your parents. Honor your parents. Parents, bless your children. Adult children, honor your parents. Even if they're not worthy of honor, as much as it is for you, be at peace with them. Don't murder people. Don't be hateful of others. Don't devalue the life of another. Don't seek retaliation. And don't pursue your own justice. And this is the benediction. Ready? Verse 5. Now, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another according to Christ Jesus so that you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with one mind and one voice. That is how we honor life, honor our family structure, and how we protect life in our culture. These are two huge pillars of a healthy civilization. Lord, thank you for this opportunity we have to dissect these seemingly simple commandments, though I think sometimes because they seem so simple, we just gloss right over them and we don't really get into them. We don't implement them like we should. So God, I pray right now, Lord, that you help us to see your plan for civilization as being the blueprint from the architect and how to lay good foundations for our families so that our families may build good culture and civilized underneath the banner of heaven. So God, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I pray today that you would have worked in our heart to encourage us and challenge us and how we can walk closer and bear the image of Christ that you created us to be in the world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. If you want to find out more about New Life Church, you can connect with us at discovernewlife.org. We hope to see you soon.